Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. Let us begin. My guest today is Danielle Napoleon Cox. I did pronounce that correctly, didn't I? Yes, you did. Oh, thank God, because I know people screw up your name, so I wanted to make sure I wasn't one of those people. Um, she is a badass relationship coach helping women who perceive that they are in loveless marriages. We actually met at an online course creator event. Actually, that's not true. We technically met at an online entrepreneur event. Yeah. And then we kind of connected more at the online course creator specific event. And, and it was fun because actually you helped me with the name of my course, uh, which was a lot of fun. And we were geeking out. And then we uh, connected afterwards talking more about our understanding of human connection and intimacy, which was fantastic conversation. It got me really excited to have you on the podcast. So we're going to chat about how emotions affect our lives and specifically whether we run them or they run us. So say hello. Well, hello. And you know, it's interesting, Ryan, about meeting you is that we kind of met in passing. Like I think I was walking nearby and it was one of your typical conversations. Oh, so what do you do? What do you sell? What are you about? And within 30 seconds, we're like, yes, that's it. We just really connected at that level about our worldview and philosophy about humans and our emotions and how to live our best life. And so it was a really instantaneous connection, which doesn't happen very often. And so from there, it seems like our friendship and our professional relationship has just blossomed quite a bit. Yes, absolutely. It was really funny because I remember you just coming up to our table because of one of the women at my table, Mary Shores, who I interviewed uh, in a past episode uh, because of she, she's an author. And so that was a fun kind of conversation to witness. She got to be a rock star for for that for, for a moment there. So that was just fun. But um, please do tell us more about yourself, your story, how you got into this, et cetera, et cetera. Well, so I consider myself to be a champion for the invisible people. And that's what I like to think. That's what inspires me. That thought mm. is that there's all these people who live their life every day who go unnoticed, Not, even by their own families. They just, they feel like they have nothing to contribute in the world. They don't understand themselves or their lives. And I want to be the person who says, I see you and I see what you can be. I don't just see you at this moment. I see your potential and I want to inspire you to reach it and to live bigger and to really step into who you are. So that's what inspires me. But my story it's a little bit different. So, <laughs> um, so actually, I grew up with a mom who, by the time I was 18, she was on her fifth marriage. So that's, you know, that's a lot of um, falling in and out of love for a young woman to experience and observe. And so it didn't make me bitter about men because I realized that it, I was able to see the benefit. Was I was able to see how both people contributed to the problems. And I was able to see, more importantly, I could not have said this then, but I can say it now. I was able to see how unmanaged emotions can destroy things you love and want. So that led me naturally to become somebody who controlled my emotions, overcompensated for the emotion management to the point that I shut down and buffered. Um, And that served me really well for a long time in my life until um, I found myself married and with kids. And you can't be somebody who's emotionally... Um, detached when you're a mom and a wife. It's not fair to the people you love. And so I really struggled to stop that control, reconnect to myself, 
and really be able to process my emotions in a healthy way. It was a self-development journey that I went on and it's the best things ever happened to me. It's my life's purpose because once I've understood this and I know what it's like to see out of control emotions and I know what it's like to, to be the person who over controls emotions mm -hmm. and then coming to the place where you allow emotions and they're not something to be controlled or um, feared that uh, I, I now want to teach this to women who whichever way they fall or uh, cannot control them or they over control them. I want to teach them to find that ground so they can actually have an amazing life. I love that so very much. That was one of the first things that we connected over was this idea that people are overcompensating, just as you said, on one side or the other around their emotions. I So much of, of my practice is being conscious and present with your emotions. And so I am very much looking forward to touching on each of those little parts of your story today because I, I feel like this is valuable for everyone. I mean, this, is, this, this was something that informed me as a classroom teacher and how I could develop uh, positive relationships with my students in the classroom. I think this really affects everyone. Um, but it really, really affects people in relationships like you're describing. You know, I'm, I'm imagining marriages where, you know, intimacy is a typical desire in contemporary marriage. It may not have always been the history of marriage, but it's certainly contemporary marriage as you want to have an intimate connection with your partner. And so uh, being able to understand your emotions and, and play in your emotions the way I describe it is just so important. So in fact, when we were talking about wanting to have this conversation, do this podcast interview, you said something that I would love some more clarity on. Is there something you were saying about manifesting your emotions that didn't like it? It was similar words to how other people describe it, but it had a different twist. And, and I wish I had taken slightly better notes <laughs> to, to be able to ask a more direct question. But like, so, so maybe we'll do this in layers. So to set a baseline, if you could tell me more about this idea that whoever controls your emotions controls your life, which that was just a really cool phrase that you said. Um, I think that would kind of help kick it off. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the big lesson I learned was when I watched my mom who allowed other people to impact her emotions or she thought she was, they made me feel this. And then I did this, but it was, the emotions were their fault. It was attributed to somebody oh else. Um, she often, it was, it's a very powerless feeling where I'm upset because so-and-so said this to me. That means that I have no control. My, my self-worth, my image, my desires, my happiness is dependent on something external. And so for me, of course, I saw that and I didn't want that for myself. Mm. So I, that's where my over control because, well, I want to control my emotions so that nobody else can impact me. But that also means you don't really have genuine connections and relationships. So the middle ground is understanding that, yeah, whoever controls your emotions, they control your life. Because if you allow somebody else outside of you to determine your happiness, to determine your worth, to determine what you can and cannot accomplish, you are always chasing that emotion in them. And when you learn that you can generate your own emotions inside of you, you don't even have to control them. It's just about getting in touch with yourself so you can create the emotions you desire. Then you have this complete freedom. It's like you are free to live and do whatever 
helps you to have that peaceful centered existence that we all innately crave. Okay. So there's a key phrase in there that I thought was so interesting and I'm going to butcher it because even though you literally just said it, (laughs) still, I'm still processing this idea of the way you said generate your emotions, Mm -hmm. that you can generate your emotions. That is an active conscious. That's not a passive experience your emotions. You said generate your emotions. So uh, tell me more about what it means to generate your emotions. Well, so there's um, the, the, the concept is this, that all of us have circumstances that we exist in. Some we control, some we don't. But regardless of the circumstance that we find ourselves in, we always have control over one thing. And that is what we choose to think and feel about that circumstance. And so that's how you generate an emotion is by choosing your perspective, which I'm going to take a quick detour because I want to make, this is really important. That does not mean you always choose the happy emotion. That is not always the appropriate emotion. It can be but it is not exclusively. In fact, we should have a real balance of a variety of emotions in order to have a truly rich life. But the truth is you get to pick it. If you have a family member who passed, you might choose in one moment to feel sad at their passing. You might choose in a different moment to feel blessed that they were in your life. You might choose at another time to feel happy about the memories you create in their life. Those are all great options or Let's, you can choose to be angry that they, they cause you so much grief in your life. You might choose to feel nothing that that person doesn't, isn't something, somebody you want to put any emotions towards. You have all those choices and they come from you and what you choose to think about the situation and about the person. Yeah. And I think to be super clear, it's important for people to know and I'm going to make an assumption about what you mean by that because we come from a similar place and f- yeah. feel free to correct me. I think it's imp- important for people to know, hear, process that even talking about choosing thoughts, that develops over time. Yeah. So this this is not like right now you will choose your thought and you will change your life, period, end of story. Like these are things that take practice. Yes. And yeah. so choosing a thought sometimes requires hacking an emotional experience to be able to free up the energy to change your thoughts. Sometimes there's, there's lots of ways into this process of changing our thoughts. And so I I would hate for anyone to, um, what's, what's what I'm looking for? Basically blame themselves. I think people have a tendency when they hear some, something really powerful like that to then layer on a bunch of extra shoulds. Like, well, then I should be controlling my thoughts so that I can change my ways. I should be doing this, should be doing that. And that just makes the whole situation worse, frankly. Um, and, and in fact, leads to, I think, what is a common experience between us. I, I am a very intense human being. Um, and not everyone sees that, but they tend to see me as a super laid back, go with the flow, adapt to the situation kind of person. And the fact is that was hard fought. (laughs) That was was my mother helping me practice visualization at the age of five. 
um, you know, like, okay, follow the red ball on the wave and like having it shift my emotions and everything else so that I did develop this control. And then I similarly developed an over control of my emotions. And it was having some experiences in the classroom that led me to realize that I a, didn't have the control that I thought I did. And I know we're going to talk about that in a minute here. <laughs> and, um, and B, that my emotion was valuable. And it was, it was better for me to, again, have a full range of emotion in the classroom with my students that actually built better classroom relationship. But I digress. The reason why I thought this was so valuable is you said something to me that really piggybacked on this idea of uh, not, not necessarily controlling our emotions, but generating our emotions and it had to do with manifesting. And I, it's so interesting to me how different people talk about manifesting. So I would love for you to give your, your perspective on what it means to kind of manifest your emotions or, or how this kind of, or what your introspective process is. Cause we were talking about understanding how our emotions then affect our outer life. I'd, I'd love to understand more about that. Yeah, so absolutely. So, um, Manifesting is a little, I'm not an expert by any means, but I love emotions and this is another advanced concept. So if you're just getting into thought work, this is not where you jump, but it's something to keep in mind. Um, so something here's a, it's easier for me to explain with an example than to explain it just conceptually. Yeah, please. A lot of people want to manifest a million dollars. That's, that's an easy one. Almost every person we know could probably say, yeah, I'd love to manifest a million dollars. And so they might try positive thinking. They might try hustling hard. They do all the things and they try all the techniques to get to the million dollars. The one thing they always miss is stepping into themselves as a millionaire. And what does that feel like? A lot of people associate, oh, when I have a million dollars, I can go to the mall and buy everything I want. Right. And so that, so they think, oh, I'll just go live like I'm a millionaire. I'm just going to go buy the things I want because that's what I'll do when I'm a millionaire. It'll feel great. And I won't worry about it. But they're missing a key point, which is when you're a millionaire and you can walk in the mall and have anything you want, do you even want that anymore? What was the wanting about? What was it really about the wanting it? Or was it about the freedom to have the choice to purchase it if you did? And often that's the emotion behind the desire, not the actual tangible physical result. So when you step into something you manifest, you need to step into what's really behind it. Is it that when I am this way, I will be I will be completely comfortable in my skin? That's a good one for weight loss. I will be comfortable mm-hmm. in my skin when I lose X pounds. Well, that's the emotion you need to generate right now in the body you're in, because that's where you head when you reach that emotional state. That's when the rest of your life comes to align around that emotion. Okay, I think this bears some conversation. Yeah, because I am someone who feels fairly confident in the realm of emotional work and thought work. And there are some key points in what you just said that this is the second or third time that I've been exposed to this concept. And it still is like, holy crap, there's one more layer deeper. And really, it's probably three more layers deeper to the work that I've been doing myself. Uh, that I just find so astounding. So I want to see if I can't capture this. And and again, please guide me, correct me as needed um, for my understanding. 
<clears throat> because I think, as you said, this is a slightly advanced concept. So I want to see, I want to see if I can dive in here. Something that's so powerful about this idea of live your life as the millionaire you want to be. I've heard people talk about how um, you kind of step into your future self and it puts you in a position to make decisions the way that a millionaire would. And naturally, as you make those decisions, it produces the circumstances that lead you to being a millionaire. And I think that's really fascinating and that makes logical sense to me. Um, so long as it is genuine. You genuinely put yourself in that perspective because as you said, if if your idea of a millionaire is someone who spends lots of money, obviously that's not going to help you become a millionaire. So what's so fascinating about what, what you're sharing right now to me is that you need to go one to two to three levels deeper on what it is you really want. So when you say, I want to be a millionaire, that sounds like it's a clear picture, but it's really not. What you're really saying when you say I want to be a millionaire is fill in the blank. And it's really probably an emotional experience that you're seeking because it's really not the money that you're seeking. It's what it's going to bring. But then even once you say, I want to have freedom, then you maybe even need to go one step deeper or at least hone in more closely on what it is even in freedom that you really want. Because if all of us are really seeking an emotional state when we set a goal, then the first two or three passes of that goal probably aren't even the real goal. And how, how am I doing? How am I doing? You're doing great. And we are going straight into a more philosophical discussion, which I do not study philosophy, but I can feel we're leading here. Yeah. And here's what I think in our core we want for ourselves, for the people we love, is that deep down inside, what we really want more than anything else in the world is the freedom to choose. We want opportunities to choose, to make a choice that works for us and that we can have the, the most ability, the, the most ability, the ability to pick the things that are right for us. Mm -hmm. so having a million dollars isn't about going to the mall and buying clothes, driving the car. We think it is because we think those things are going to give us the happy. But what we want is the freedom to decide, does the car, is the car what I want? And sometimes it may not be. So many people hit lots of money. They get the things and you see this with lottery winners and they're not, they're not there because they haven't embraced the fact that it's not about the things. It's about the freedom and the choice to have the things. And they might choose, no, I don't need that. Yeah, it's that story of fear and lack, as they say in the Toltec practice. It's the story of fear and lack. So when you're in the story of fear and lack, you're always a victim. You're at the whims of the world around you. <clears throat> and when you can gather resources, whether those are physical resources or the resource of people, getting into relationships that you don't necess aren't necessarily good for you, but they fulfill this feeling of lack that you have, that you need to be in a relationship. There's this need that's not a real need. Um, this neediness, I mean, how fitting is that term? Um, that comes from this sense of lack or this fear that I'm going to lose. And so I need to hoard whatever it is. I need to hoard energy. I need to hoard time. I need to hoard money. I need to hoard people. 
in order to protect myself. And, and so it's interesting you're talking about the freedom to choose. I was contextualizing it in um, relationships in the, in the mm-hmm. sense that humans uh, are pro-social. Uh, what that means is that we want to be loved, accepted, and approved of. And that's something that we develop as a natural part of our, really frankly, our biology, our brain chemistry. Um, so we have things like mirror neurons so that we can survive by the grace of others around us. And so it's so natural to slip into this this place where we are reacting toward or against that, right? Some people who fear rejection then lash out and strike first and, and, and so on and so forth. So all this kind of ties together in this really fascinating way that if the core of it is I want to live whatever comfortably is, some people are maybe are adrenaline junkies so that maybe they don't associate with the word comfortable, but they have an ideal life that they have projected on the screen of their mind, as it were. Wow, I'm getting a little imagistic here, but <laughs> project onto the screen of their mind. And the fact is that that even even that is a reference to an emotional state they that they're really chasing. Yes, and, oh. and this is just a way to achieve that. Absolutely, we are. We only make decisions and take action because of how we think it's going to make us feel period. That's just, that's just who, how we're built, who we are. That's it. And so that's why emotions fascinate me because they are really, when you understand emotions and how they show up in your life and it's different for everyone, that's where true empowerment happens because you can understand how to generate emotions that serve you and how to let go of emotions that don't and how the emotions serve us don't always look the way we might think. Um, For some people, anger does not serve them. Anger causes them to take actions that are destructive. Mm -hmm. Other people, anger is empowering because now I'm angry and I'm going to make a change in a way that benefits everyone. Right. If you see, so understanding how the emotion drives that action to create that feeling, that life, which is really, it's about wanting to have this freedom. That's where you get true empowerment that, that cannot be taken away from you. Yeah. And I think the person who embodied this, that really showed me this was Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. When you read about his experience and you see how he was able to process that and come out and change the way we understand emotions is fascinating. He, to me, is the epitome of really being able to, he, he didn't let go of his negative, I'm going to call them negative. I don't think any emotions are negative. They just right. don't feel good. Um, emotions and really make a difference in, and by showing us how to see the world. He actually had a lot of compassion in his book towards the people who would, would starve and beat him. It was, it's very fascinating. There's so much to unpack there. Um, the value of adversity in order to, to process, like for him to have the capacity he has, he almost needed to go through the worst thing that a human can go through 
in order to develop that. So for those of us who live fairly comfortable lives, I mean, I feel very privileged to have the life that I have. Um, our experiences of emotions are also quite different. As you were talking, I was thinking about people who they need to suppress their emotions because the only way they're going to survive is to wake up at 3.30 in the morning, get to a job that um, is super grindy and doesn't honor any element of creativity, intellectual, anything. Um, it, it isn't, it isn't a, a soulful job, but that's what they need to do in this moment to support a family, et cetera, et cetera. And if they were to hear us talking about emotions, they'd basically flip us the double bird and say, you don't understand my life. Um, and so it's interesting that I think those same people could benefit from this information. However, it really doesn't apply to their immediate circumstances um, as far as their notion of survival. And so what I think is kind of critical in what we're discussing here is we're talking about going from survival surviving to thriving as people often say that's really i think people who even are in very privileged situations are in a type of survival mode um how they are knee-jerk reacting to their lives or how they're using old tools from an earlier part of their life as you were describing for yourself um you know it was it was an important tool to be able to control your emotions as thoroughly as you did but then at some point it's like the, I love using the, the Zen proverb about uh, you build a raft and then you cross the water and then you throw the raft on your back and hike up a mountain. It's like, what the hell are you doing with that boat on your back, kid? That's not going to help you where you're going. But you're like, but this helped me survive. So I have to keep doing this thing. I have to use these same tools I've always used because obviously they worked. It's like, you're right, they worked, but they're not the circumstance you're in. So let's see if we can't adapt you the current circumstance. Um, and that will allow you ultimately, once you develop that adaptability, flexibility, I know we're going to talk about observation in a little bit in this conversation, then uh, that's when you develop that freedom of, yes. of choice. That's when you develop that flexibility. I just, I find that so very fascinating. I'm really going to meditate on where in my life I'm not actually clear on the emotional state that I'm seeking. It's, it's a great challenge for all of us. I certainly need to work on that as well. But I do want to go back real quick to one yes. thing that's important to me. We, you mentioned that people who are in very dire circumstances about they may need to suppress their emotions. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that is a little inaccurate. I think they need to still understand their emotions mm -hmm. and um, choose their perspective. Not saying they're going to choose a, like everything's going to work out great. My life is wonderful. It, it, it's got to be genuine, but right. they might say, I do this to support my family so my kids can have a better life. Yes. That can be a thought, right? That could be a thought that gives them an emotion that makes, takes some of the pain out of their circumstances. Yes. Or, you know, it's possible someday. So I do think there's, there's opportunities, even in dire circumstances to find thoughts that, and emotions that, that serve us to help with, the pain that we're experiencing from our situation. Yeah, I, I that's I, I absolutely agree. Thank you for thank you for that clarification. I think if to go even one layer deeper, 
um, we're always making choices. We're always choosing our thoughts. We're, so therefore, we're always indirectly choosing our emotions, even if we are completely unconscious about it, even if we have zero awareness that we're doing it. And I think what's really powerful about what you just said is that everyone could benefit from having the capacity to choose those things consciously. Yes. And that that person who already has made that decision subconsciously, unconsciously, that they have to do this to support their family, they did make a choice. Yeah. And if they were able to make it consciously, perhaps the burden of making that choice would be lifted because they'd actually feel good about making that choice. And that might actually lead them to a circumstance where they see an opportunity and they're going to change their circumstances. And they wouldn't have seen that opportunity if they weren't conscious, if they weren't aware of the choices they were making. So thank you so much for saying that because <laughs> I would never want to dismiss that. And yeah. That is such an important point. So thank you for calling that out. Absolutely. Next time on Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. And I think that kind of leads us to the next concept of observation. Sure. We had talked about, right? So I'm kind of jumping ahead for you, but but you mentioned this, and that is that all of us have the opportunity to become aware of what we're thinking. Every single one of us. And that is that's where this whole process starts. Like that is emotions 101 is just become aware. What you yes. feel, why you feel it, what are you thinking? What is causing that thought? If you do nothing else with your life and just do that, you will learn so much about you and the way you see and experience the world that anything after that will be a very natural process. Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate for underscore life. That's educate, the number four, underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.